Welcome to our next episode of Full Contact Canvas. I'm Abby McCullough and I have with me our co-founders, the old hemp farmer Harold Jarbo and our lead extraction artist Lee Crabtree. Morning folks. Morning. This morning I thought we'd talk about a topic that's as relevant as ever and probably is more mystery and money spent is on processing. Some people can't find processing. Some people there's too much processing. Nobody knows what the proper price for processing is or even understands the market. What we do know, though, in the last four years, is some of the largest, most well-financed, initially, processing companies have declared bankruptcy. And I've been talking to uh, Lee Crabtree. Lee, how long have you been processing for Tennessee Homegrown? Uh, since 2016, so I guess going on four or five years now. Is this the fifth year or the fourth? This is going to be the fifth year, believe it or not. All right. So five years. When we first started out processing, uh, at that point, we're talking about 2014, 2015, uh, CO2 was considered the bell cow or the preeminent system for for processing um, and now it seems like the thing that dominates the market is uh, ethanol uh, you want to talk a little bit about the earlier days of processing and and why basically what the background is how high CBD processing kind of evolved from high THC cannabis yeah and that's why the co2 was you know the the go-to everybody wanted the solventless quotation marks extraction they wanted the the co2 because it, it you didn't use any harsh solvents but there you also have to winterize that and to do that you add a solvent to it so solvent is involved in the process unless you're not winterizing anything at all, but you're also concentrating your cannabinoids. So even though you can have hemp, I had people uh, coming and talking to me wanting to do CO2 and had no idea that what came out of that CO2 machine was no longer 0.3% Delta 9. Uh, they just thought it came from hemp, then whatever you make out of it was going to be... Uh, compliant if the starting material was compliant that's just not true uh, you, you have to now dilute that down into something else to to make it at, at the point three level uh, probably at about a nine to one ratio so what are you going to dilute that into uh, you're probably going to try to use vape cart additives pg vg and all that or you're going to just use your oils, your MCT, your carrier oils, hemp oil, whatever, to, to dilute it and make it into a tincture. Now, you, you're going to spend all day trying to do, you know, eight to, you know, maybe you have a large extractor that might, you, you could do 20 pounds a day. Uh, it's going to take you all day long to make that versus just going with something faster like ethanol where you can do a much larger amount much faster. When 2014-2015, uh, cannabis processing was dominated basically by the recreational medical marijuana uh, states, and the demand wasn't that extreme. 
when CBD started going into the market, uh, there seemed to be a, a huge demand. But also the other thing that had changed was uh, the amount of hemp that was being grown. So, I mean, we went in 2014, 2015 to what? If you processed 100 pounds a day, that was a, that was a processing a lot of cannabis to now here we are in 2020 and we've got people who say they can process 5,000 pounds a day or more. And was this because of a technological change or was this because of demand or perceived demand? But what pushed this expansion of processing systems and the amount of processors? I think it's more than anything based on the perception of the future demand for the product and the, the current prices that they were getting was worth it to take your time and, and uh, not do a large amount. Then you got people thinking that they were going to be millionaires and the more you did, the more you made. Well, it only works if you're selling that same amount every day that you can make or else you end up with a... a surplus of inventory the prices all crashed I mean just the back in 20 probably 15 16 you talk about co2 and, and other extraction methods if you went to go get it toll processed it might cost you a hundred dollars a pound to get it processed to something today people are doing it for ten dollars a pound so if if your whole profit model was based on you making $100 off of each pound that you processed, you're going to want to process as many of those as you can and get as much money as you can, and that didn't pan out for them very well. Well, that's one of the things here in the United States, especially, is the thing that manufacturing does is the economy of scale. And... One of the things I think me and you've talked about several times is we've been, you know, Tennessee Homegrown now is a five, six-year-old company, is at what point does scaling up no longer mean more efficiency and more of a profit model? And has that economy of scale really been studied that much in the cannabis industry when it comes to processing? I mean, you unless you had that product sold, you shouldn't scale up at all in the first place. But because people wanted to do that, then the manufacturers of these machines began to make machines that could do this for you. And and they did it pretty well, mainly with ethanol. Now, there are some really large CO2 extractors and really large VHO extractors that uh, are very expensive. But if you can't justify the cost of that expensive equipment by sales, then you shouldn't even try to to expand your operation. Well, here we are in 2020, right? And a couple things have changed. One is the processing equipment has gotten huge now. I mean, in 2014, 2015, a 20 liter CO2 machine was huge. And... Now I'm hearing of 250, 300 liter CO2 machines. 
the also thing, the other thing has changed versus 2014-15 is how cheap material is. And probably 2014-2015, a pound of decent biomass would probably cost you $100. That same quality of biomass, even a little bit better now, has gotten now to where it's $5, $10 a pound. And is when you come in here, let's say, because, you know, most of the people we're talking to are cannabis professionals. How do you sort this out? I mean, if you're thinking about coming into this industry, do you think about the economy of scale as far as your equipment? Or is the thing that you lock in on how cheap of a product, how cheap of biomass can I get? Well, that's where you get with anything when you start trying to scale up or any any type of crop or product that you're making. When when there's an excess of supply, the price of that goes down. And if you're not prepared to, to take that hit, then you're going to fail. So you're basically looking at uh, just trying to be the, the rock bottom guy to, to even succeed if you're going to scale up. There's a lot of cost involved in that, and the amount of material out there right now that, that's so cheap, you can you can actually probably purchase or do splits on something if, if you've got the means of, of moving that product pretty cheaply. So, but if, let's say I'm, I'm now thinking about trying to go vertical, and I want to grow, I want to process, I want to have my own product. Does it behoove me to go in and spend more money to have a more efficient system? Or does it make more sense to just to concentrate on just doing a mass amount of material? And if you want to be vertical and have your own products, you're, you're going to have to take a journey. And having the, the top dog machine right off the bat uh, shouldn't be in your your. Uh, pricing structure on what you're going to build your thing out from. You just got to start small and you'll, you'll figure things out better. You'll see things happening on a smaller level that will help you understand the larger machine better. So what you're basically saying right now, chasing technology doesn't really pay it off. Unless you get it really cheap from somebody that just had to go out of business and and you can you can get it for a, a decent price, then it could make sense if you had the space for it. <clears throat> but these places you you should be owning your your building that you have it in, and not renting or leasing, which can get you into a spot, uh, and just build it out slowly as you go. And as you expand, then your equipment can expand. Is at this point going into processing as your primary revenue stream? is it's got a lot of things that you have to worry about yeah i mean are you the future do you think it's going to be technologically driven that's going to change the the market or is it going to be the consumer that'll probably change the market more than anything i mean are we chasing technology here or is technology just you know as it becomes apparent we're just grabbing yeah, I'm not chasing technology. I'm just watching the technology and as it expands. I mean, I'm the guy that I'll buy a phone and keep it for five years before I upgrade to the next one. 
uh, it's because my other one worked just fine. And you can you can plow through some stuff with something that's not top of the line technologically, but you you got to be able to to expand your business first before you expand your your equipment. You went into a thing about the equipment, and I guess we could go into this right about now here for a little bit. How important is the equipment versus how important a technician is? Well, the technician should be the guy that's dictating what equipment that there is. So if you have no idea what you're doing, you don't go buy a bunch of equipment and then think you're going to find the guy to come and run all of that. So what you're basically saying is, if I'm starting a process, I find my, I find my technicians, my talent, before I worry about my equipment. Yeah, and if it were me, and you're the guy looking for the guy, uh, you're already at a disadvantage. You need to be the guy. You need to do your own homework and find out. You don't just find some guy and believe everything that he says, and then go with him, and unless you're just ready to, you know, hand the business over to him at some point. Uh, you you got to know what you're doing, and and paying other people to do everything for you is not going to really pay off very quickly. All right. Well, here we are, like I said, 2020. In the last year, we've had several companies declare bankruptcy. Uh, we're starting to see more and more used equipment on the market. How long, I know this is something I probably shouldn't ask any professional, but I'll ask you, how long do you think it's going to be before the market settles out to any extent? Uh, there's different aspects to the market. There's the, the flower market and the smokable flower, the indoor flower. That's probably going to level out a little faster because of the the freshness of it. Every crop is going to come in at a certain time, and uh, then it's going to be gone, and people will be waiting for more, and then they'll, they'll, they'll get more. But as far as the, the tinctures and the salves and the edibles and all that, that there's a lot of oil out there and there's still a lot of hemp out there waiting to be extracted into oil. It, I don't imagine it taking much more. It could be two years or, or longer before the oil side tries to even, even out. How soon do you think that a lot of the people that have gotten into processing or thinking about getting into cannabis processing are going to do some serious looking about how large you have to be because that seems to be one of the biggest problems right now is people going out and building capacity that far exceeds their ability to be able to sell it yeah I have no idea how long it'll take them to catch on it's like every state there's a new batch of people who haven't heard what's going on they don't even know how much hemp is out there right now? They just know that their state's coming on to to grow, and then they want to be the guy to process it all. And, and they have this perception that that they can move a lot of product. You start looking for an investor, and then they are pushing you to move a lot of product, and and that uh, isn't where you should should start out. Um. What's making you know, right now? Like I said, there are a bunch of different things that are happening in this this world. I mean, uh, the ability to go in and do broad spectrum, to be able to come in and, and really do precise fractional distillation, 
what are some of the things that's interesting you? Like right now, what are some of the, the projects that you're pursuing at Tennessee Homegrown? Uh, right now, I'm just focusing on this year's crop. Uh, not so much doing a lot of processing at the moment, but um, it's in the back of my mind. We still have material from last year that I need to run through. Uh, more than anything, uh, I just I hear a lot of stuff about Delta 8, uh, the CVG. You're not hearing so much about it other than just the genetics and that people are growing it now. I guess the next bit new thing is going to be the Delta 8 THC. All right, well, then I'm going to pull it out of you then. The last year, you have been working a lot with trying to be able to process without any decarboxylization. It seems to be that there's been more and more interest in undecarboxylated cannabinoids like THCA, right. CBDA. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the, the, the trials and tribulations of trying to process without any decarboxylization? <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the concentrates is is pretty. It's a pretty new thing. Uh, the Delta Nine law in our state allows us to sell a product as long as it's not over 0.3 percent Delta Nine, and that's disregarding the amount of THC that's in there. So, which is pretty much all the flour grown last year and probably this year. Uh, there's stores selling. You know, high THCA flour, as long as the Delta 9 is, is below 0.3, it's perfectly legal to do so. And, and with doing that, you can also do concentrates that way. So just figuring out a way to keep it in that state, not decarb, it's a little balancing act on temperature. And you're, you're just trying to, like we're doing some live resin, as fresh as possible, fresh frozen material, uh, the tribulations in that are that it, it's harder to deal with it's harder to to load it's harder to to run you don't get all of your uh, solvent out of your uh, biomass or flour that you're running uh, so there's losses in that it's more expensive to do it that way but it can give you a, a product that's that's compliant that you can then you know, put in a vape card or in a little jars uh, as a concentrate or wax or butter uh, and it gives you another avenue it's really terpy and really nice product terpy that terpy. seems to be right now terpenes whether it's high THC or high CBD there's been an extreme amount of interest in the terpenes so when you go through this really integral process of cutting it trimming it freezing it all while it's still wet does one big thing and that's what I'm and I can tell you this from personal my my taste testing it gets a, a terpene level that you just don't get in another product and then the one of the things that now people are starting to explore is how those terpenes sent to, to be almost like a, have a catalyst on the effects of the cannabinoids so the you, this is an exciting product then. I mean, if you're going through all this, this stuff, you've got a product that's coming out that's, what, 2% terpenes? 
Uh, sometimes it is. It's usually different every time. It's hard to get a, you can't get the same run each time or the same numbers each time that you do the same run. You can do it identically and that goes with any kind of extraction. Plant to plant, it's different. But most of the time, yeah, you can get one and a half, two percent terpenes in that concentrate and it makes it a little flowier and, and you're you're only taking the terpenes from that specific strain that you extracted without adding any other ones. So that's the only true way you can get all the plant essence is by being able to come in there and cut it and process it green. That way you don't have any terpene loss. It seems to me that that would be one of the best ways to get total plant properties would be to come in and do this stuff that you're doing. Are you going to tell me you guys aren't a little bit excited about working with this stuff? Yeah, we're excited about it. It's as excited it's as just, Lee Crabtree can right. get. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is we have all these processing companies. We have all this company and basically we are out touting the virtues of Tennessee homegrown, but that devotion to research and development, and that curiosity on how to make something better. I mean, doesn't that have a large degree with how how good a processing facility is? I mean, I mean, that's the whole point. I think it's exciting about cannabis. Is here we have, especially when it comes to the extraction, an industry that's less than 20 years old. And if you look at any other agriculture or pharmaceutical industries, that's a baby. Right. That's what everybody gets excited about. That's why everybody wants to get into the industry. Yeah, I mean, I get emails, I get phone calls of people, hey, I got 15 acres and I just want to get into this industry. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I know exactly why you want to get into it, but man, 15 acres, you got to scale it back a little bit. Uh, just the excitement of, of the newness of the industry just really grabs hold of you and, and i've been doing this this is what our is it our fifth or sixth season let's go on our sixth season yes sixth season so the excitement's gone uh <laughs> probably two years i didn't sleep uh just the ideas just come to you and it's, it's hard to to shake the the thoughts it's hard to sleep at night you end up trying a lot of different things and you fail at a lot of things and then you're good at some things and you get better at the, at the things you failed at. But it, it's just a, a constant change. Uh, the rules change. You wake up, see what happened today and what you can, can do today, which is kind of leveled out here recently. But uh, there at the beginning, it was very exciting times. It was all you think about. Figured out whether you were committing a felony that day or not. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think we're going to wind it up today because, quite frankly, processing, cannabis processing right now is a lot of stuff to discuss. Can't thank you enough for taking time from your experiments in the field to come in here and talk to us. You're welcome. Okay. Abby? Until next time, but folks, we really do appreciate you listening to our podcast. If you have any ideas for future podcasts or any sort of way you'd like to interact with us, please let us know. 
And the website is tnhomegrown.com. We'd love for you to check out our product.